Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Many of you may have seen, you may have not seen the show that I think the title of it is Undercover Boss. Have y'all ever seen Undercover Boss? There's some other ones that are very similar to that. One of them I think is Secret Millionaire or Secret Billionaire, whichever one it is. But this Undercover Boss, the, the, the plot or the theme of, the, of what takes place in the show is a, a corporate level executive will willingly step out of the comfort of their corporate office and they will step into the life of an employee that's probably what we would call the bottom of the totem pole. They're the servants, they're the ones that get no recognition, but honestly are the ones that make the business go. And so what these corporate level executives do is they will just step into the life unknowing to the, to the employee that they are the CEO of the company. That just lets you know how big these companies are. And so the story that I'm gonna, or the, kind of the, the story that I wanna share with you is, is one that I've stumbled across this past week of a man named Gary. Um, he worked for a company called Fast Signs, and some of you may have heard of it. Um, it's, it's, it's vinyl signs. Vinyl signs. They put signs on, on windows. They put it on vehicles. They do all of this. And, and so Gary was an employee. So this CEO willingly leaves the comforts of her office to join up with Gary so that Gary can teach her how to do the company she's in charge of. And so Gary begins to teach her, he begins to train her, he begins to show her all of the ins and outs of, of how to put on signs, and it was so funny to watch because she was terrible at it. She was awful. Um, but in her relationship that she built with Gary over those couple of days, she ended up realizing and hearing Gary's story. And Gary's story was one that, that really will tug on all of our heartstrings. He was a former gangbanger, he was a, a drug dealer, um, he, was, he was one charge away from going to prison for 25 years without parole. But somewhere in that journey, somehow in all of those mishaps of his life, God got his attention and he surrenders his life to the Lord and, and through God's power, God got Gary back on the path of leading his family and doing what he was created to do. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this, and you're gonna hear this again in just a minute. Just because he gave his life to the Lord doesn't mean that everything got better. Gary still faced financial issues. He ended up, him and his family, uh, a home of three children, were evicted from their house. But through that journey of, of the CEO willingly leaving her office and stepping into the life of Gary, she began to learn about Gary, and she, she was moved with compassion. She was moved with empathy towards Gary. But one thing that I, I, I do wanna speak to is I don't want you to be misled in the message that we just saw portrayed in this video. I don't want you to think that if you surrender your life to the Lord today that everything gets better. I don't want you to think, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
pray a prayer or I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to follow him just so all of my problems will go away because that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not the point of the, of the message today. The point of the message today, the reason that we show this video is I believe that it opens our mind to what Paul wants us to learn in Philippians chapter two. I believe it opens our, our way of thinking to what Paul wants us to understand and what Paul wants us to learn. And so if you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter two. And as I'm turning there, I, I wanted to take just a moment um, because I want you to understand how blessed you are as a people, as a church, because over the last three weeks, you've got the opportunity to hear Pastor Jared, you've heard Pastor Greg, you've heard Pastor Brandon. And church, I don't think you realize how special these men are, that every week they stand and they teach and preach the truth of the gospel and how thankful and blessed we are that it really doesn't matter who stands up on this stage, that Jesus is always gonna be lifted up. And so I am so thankful for those three guys and, and what they have done over the last three weeks and how I've gotten to grow listening to what God has placed in their heart. And so I am so thankful for them. But in Philippians chapter two, what Paul wants us to learn is exactly what Pastor Brandon talked about last week. We're gonna look at the attitude and the mindset of Jesus Christ. The attitude and the mindset of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Brandon mentioned in Philippians chapter two, verses one through four, the attitude of Christ, it was listed there in those verses. To do nothing out of selfish ambition, regard others more important than you, and look out for the interest of others. That's the attitude of Jesus Christ. That's the attitude of who he is. And then he made a statement last week that, that I think would that all of us need to be reminded of. As Brandon said, it's not about you. It's not about you. We live in a world that says it is all about you. But when we look it through the lenses of the gospel, we realize it's not about you. And so what I wanna do this morning before we go any further is I want us to all say something together. We're gonna personalize that statement just a little bit more Instead of saying it's not about you, me saying that it's not about you, what I think can, can open our hearts and our minds is when we can confess things with our mouth together and we can all as a church, as a follower, followers of Christ, to audibly say, it's not about me. Can we do that together? On the count of three, this is, I know you're thinking, well, he's still in like VBS mode. I don't care. <laughs> so on the count of three, as a church family, we are going to say together, it's not about me. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's not about me. One more time. Now look, I already saw some of the spouses lean over to your husband or your wife. You didn't change the pronoun. You leaned over and you said, hey, it's not about you. I saw it. But all joking aside, the reality is, is if we as a people, if we as the followers of Christ, if we can get this mindset that it's not about me, everything changes. Everything changes. But what's interesting is when we look at this, when in chapter two, verses one through eight, we've got a very, very simple outline to follow. Verses one through four, 
you see that it gives all the characteristics of the attitude and the mindset of Jesus. But then verse five, Paul challenges the church at Philippi and I think ultimately challenges us as, as God's children to have that same attitude. But then in verses six through eight, he gives the application. He gives the example of how Jesus lived out this attitude. So we see what his attitude was. We see that we are charged as the church to have the same attitude as Christ, but then we get a list of what Jesus did to live out his attitude. And so that's what we're gonna do today is we're gonna focus on verses five through eight and look at these examples of what Jesus has done. So I want you to read with me Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Now the attitude that, that we see exemplified, the attitude that we see talked about, the attitude that we're gonna see lived out is simply an attitude of humility. Very simply stated, it's an attitude of humility. And the first act of humility is actually something that Jesus did not do according to this passage. What did it say that he did not do? It said that he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held onto. Now, when we look at that, we see that this is kind of a glimpse in, into the Trinity. We see the, the three persons that make up the Godhead. We see the Father and the Son mentioned here. But Jesus, obviously, in his knowledge, he understands the Trinity a little bit better than we do because the Trinity is one of those things in our fleshly mind that if we think about it too hard, it just makes you pfft. like, wait, three things that make up one, but they all, you know. So we all, that's a very hard thing to process. But Jesus being the son of God, he obviously understood it. So Jesus being fully God was sent to earth by his father wrapped in human flesh. And while he was 100% God, Understand this, he's now 100% man. Now that's very hard to comprehend. That is very hard to understand. So what we're gonna try to do is sort of break that down. And so Jesus is in knowledge and knowing what his role was, knowing what his father was sending him to do, he knew that he was coming as a full man, as he was coming fully in humanity, the same as you and I. If Jesus walked in this room, you wouldn't recognize him. Matter of fact, we would probably look at him and go, who's this guy? Because he was gonna be fully 100% man. But understand, and this, this concept of understanding and knowing that equality with God was not something to be grasped, what that literally means in the original language, it was not something that could be held onto if he was gonna become fully man. And so what that means is this, that Jesus willingly gave up his rights and his privileges of being God on earth. Now, understand, we're gonna break that down a little bit, so don't, I don't want anybody to go home today and say, well, Pastor Brian said that Jesus wasn't God anymore. That's not what we're saying. 
He was never not God. The same way the CEO, she willingly stepped out of her corporate office and stepped into the life of an employee, but she was never not the CEO. But when she stepped out of her office, she willingly let all of her privileges of being CEO stay put in her office. She was still the CEO, but she was leaving all of her rights and privileges of being the CEO in that office, willingly stepping into human form, willingly stepping into this, this employee form if you would. And so we're gonna talk about that a few times because I don't want anybody leaving here with a misunderstanding that Jesus was not God because he was never not God, okay? So Jesus still being fully God, he just didn't hold on to the privileges of being God because he knew in order to become 100% man, he had to let go of those rights and those privileges. He had to be open-handed with who he was And in that, Jesus relinquished his position in heaven, all of its glory, and he stepped into the human form to come to earth to be with the very people who would lead him to the cross. To be with the very people who would lead him to the cross. And again, I just wanna reemphasize, and I know you're saying, you've already said that twice, so I'm gonna say it three times. Jesus was never not God. He was always God. But he stepped down from heaven and he laid all of his rights to take advantage of being God in heaven. He laid all of those rights to put, to put those privileges behind him the exact same way the CEO did. The CEO was still the CEO, but she left all of her rights and privileges of being the CEO in that office. And she stepped into the life of an employee. I found this commentary that that I think will help us understand this. And again, you have to, this is one of those, I don't want you to cut me off and quit listening. You gotta listen through the whole thing so you can best understand it because I know that's how my mind works. Jesus was sent not to manifest what God was, but to show us what man ought to be like. Jesus was not sent to us to show what God was because if you read up all of God's glory, if you read in the Old Testament of who God was, there would have been no way they wouldn't have recognized who God was because all of his glory. Anybody in his presence, they came back shining. But in order to be 100% man, God left all of that glory in heaven so that he could look just like you and I. And so God did not come in the form of Jesus to to show himself, but he came to show us what God can do through a man who is willing to allow God to use him. Does that make sense? He emptied himself is the first thing that we see did. So we've seen what he did not do. He didn't see that the equality with God was something to hold on to. So we see what he didn't do, but now we wanna see what he did do. And what he did do is what the Bible says in verses six and seven, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. And I know you may ask the question, what did he empty himself of? What did he empty himself of? 
He emptied himself of everything that was rightfully his so the work of his father could be accomplished. He emptied himself of everything that was rightfully his so that the work of his father could be accomplished. He emptied himself of all comfort. He emptied himself of all glory. And ultimately, he empties himself of his life. He emptied himself. Now look, if, if he's God and he's gonna take advantage of, of being God, do you remember in the garden when he prayed right before his crucifixion? Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. That's a glimpse to us knowing that he was 100% man. Because keep in mind, if he wanted to exercise his privileges of being God, do you know what he could have done in that moment? He could have said, uh-oh, change of plan. This isn't gonna go too well. This is gonna hurt. This is gonna be painful. Because he very quickly put, could have pulled the God card and said, hey, you know what? We're gonna change this up a little bit. But he didn't. Because he was fully man, he submitted to the authority of his father. And when we see that, what I hope that we leave here today knowing is how God can use man, how God can use a woman when we fully empty ourselves of us. Because God will give us the strength and the power to do what in our flesh seems impossible. But it takes us emptying ourselves. It takes us laying down all of our privileges. There's a statement that I, I don't even know who, who, who quoted this, but it's in a, about every leadership book that you will ever read. And I want you to listen to it. If you wanna find out what a worker is really like, don't give them responsibilities. Give them privileges. Most people can handle responsibility if you pay them enough. But it takes a real leader to handle privileges. A leader uses privileges to help others. A lesser man will use his privileges to promote himself. That's the attitude of Christ. That is a leader, that is a worker, boldly saying through his actions, it's not about me. Laying down all of your rights and your privileges. Because the reality is, is we're human people. We're gonna, we're gonna get in arguments, right? We're gonna get in arguments, right? With your spouse. Some of you are going, I can't say that right now because she's sitting right beside me. <laughs> Do we have the privilege and the right to prove our point? Y'all are asleep. Do we have the rights and the privileges to prove our point? Where does that often go? <whistles> South. If we want to empty ourselves of all rights and privileges, what would it look like if as a husband or wife, we would give up our right or our privileges to be right? What if we would just say, hey, you know what? This isn't, this isn't a hill worth dying on. Honey, I'm sorry. You say, well, Brian, you're lying now. Well, what it takes sometimes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But how much different would your marriage look if you would lay down all of your rights and privileges? What would it look like if we would lay down our rights and our privileges? 
But that's exactly what we see exemplified in the person and the 100% man of Jesus Christ. So we see the first thing he did was empty himself. He emptied himself and then he took on the form of what? A bondservant. Some of your Bibles will probably say the word slave. He took on this identity of saying, hey, you know what? I'm here to do what my father has sent me to do. And in the original language, the definition of bondservant or slave, listen to this, is one that is entirely at the disposal of his master. One who is entirely at the disposal of his master. And when we would hear that word bondservant, we could sometimes refer to it to someone who voluntarily serves. But usually when this word bondservant's used, it refers to the one who is holding a permanent position of servitude. You know, that, that, that word that we use in church a lot of times is, you know, do you wanna volunteer in kids? Do you wanna volunteer and students, do you wanna to volunteer to, to work in the parking lot? Do you wanna volunteer to, to help in the food pantry? Do you wanna volunteer? But the reality is, is if we are all followers of Jesus Christ, we're not volunteering to do anything. It is our responsibility as a follower of Christ to be a slave to our master and say, God, what would you have me do? And when he gives instructions, then guess what? Those are the instructions we follow. It's not a temporary service. It is a lifestyle. It is that of one that holds a permanent position of servitude. At your salvation, yes, you inherited the kingdom of God. You now, are, are, you now have nothing to look forward to but eternity. However, in that moment of salvation, we stepped into a permanent role of servitude. We stepped into a permanent role of serving the master, the one who has given us life, the one who has rescued us. And Jesus, being the bondservant of his father, he knew where his allegiance was. His allegiance was to his father and his father alone. His allegiance was to his father and his father alone. And in that, we, we read what Jesus was sent to do. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And we're gonna read this verse again in just a moment. But this is the definition. This is the description of Jesus Christ being the bondservant. In verse 45, he says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, being a bondservant, being obedient to his father, it produced this servant's heart. It produced this heart to serve everyone that was around him. Because where we have to be careful is because I know when we think about volunteering, when we think about emptying ourselves, and look, it doesn't have to be in a, in a church setting. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But you can say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, they, I don't have to serve them. 
What I have to remind you of today is that when we serve others, you're serving the Father. You're not serving people. You're not serving man. Jesus says, when you do any of these to the least of these, you've done it for who? For me. You're doing it for me. And so you can say, well, I don't owe these people anything. Well, that's great. But as a follower of Christ, we owe our Father everything. So what does it look like when we, as a bondservant of our master, serves him? When we are serving him, it is gonna produce us serving others because that's all he did. That's all he did is serve other people. But ultimately, we know that it's him serving his father. You know, when we talk about Jesus, we always jump to the fact that Jesus gave his life. He died for all. Now, again, this is one of those things I don't want you to, to misunderstand what I'm not saying. Without his death, without his burial, without his resurrection, we have no life. We have no salvation. But we always want to talk about and focus on the fact that Jesus died, which we're always going to talk about that. But what we often overlook is not only did Jesus die for everyone, but Jesus lived for everyone. The same way that we've talked about husband and wife relationships. We as a man, a lot of times we will say, yes, I will lay down my life for my wife. I will die for my wife. I will do this for my wife. Well, how about we as husbands, instead of saying we'll die for our wife, let's just start living for them to start with. When we start living for them, things begin to look a little different. Jesus not only died for those people that he came to save, but he lived for the people he came to save. And that's something that we often overlook. We always wanna jump to the thing of, of him dying, but yes, we can't overlook that he also lived it out. He lived for the people. He lived for you. He lived for me. Even up to the last moments of his life. Several accounts we can read there of when Jesus washes his disciples' feet the night before the journey to his crucifixion. Now look, I was sitting on the back porch this morning just praying and, and God just makes things very simple to me. If I know I'm gonna die for you tomorrow, I'm gonna come in here today thinking, huh, I'm giving my life for you tomorrow so you better do something special for me today. And if we're all real honest, that's probably all of our attitude. If we've really just poured ourselves out to our family yesterday, how many times do we get in our recliner and kick our feet up and say, did you see what I did yesterday? It's y'all's turn to take care of me today. See, the, quieter, the, the laughs got quieter that time because that's conviction just hit. You only up, that's me. But you see, that's not the attitude of Christ that Paul tells us to have. Because if anybody was justified in not washing the disciples' feet the day before his death, it was Jesus. But what does it say that he did? He's gonna die for them the next day. However, he's gonna spend his last moments with them washing their feet and our human mind. That makes no sense. Because these are the very men 
Peter would later deny him. Because now keep in mind, keep in mind, he knows everything because he's still 100% God. So he still had the knowledge of knowing what every one of these men were gonna do. Peter would deny him. Thomas doubted him. Judas would betray him. Then you're gonna have James and John jockeying for position of who's gonna sit on the right and your left. I want mine, God. Jesus knowing all of that, knowing everything that they're gonna do, knowing everything that they've done, what does he do? He takes his towel, wraps around his waist and gets at their feet and washes their feet. That makes no sense to us. But it, this exemplifies the humility of our Savior. This is the example that he set before us. I want you to flip now, or not flip, but go back up, Mark chapter 10, verse 37. We see this, this jockeying for position. James and John, we see when verse 37 of Mark chapter 10, they said to him, grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, one on your, on your glory. Here's the part where they're saying, I want mine. I want mine. Here's that mindset of, of what's the word I'm looking for? This is that mindset of uh, entitlement. This is America. Entitlement. Everybody owes me something. Everybody owes me. Everybody owes me. And here's James and John saying, okay, Jesus, you owe us. You owe us. The same mindset we take with our family. We serve our family, but at the end of the day, we're going, okay, now you owe me. Now you owe me. So we see this mindset of, of entitlement. This exemplifies everything that we see in our world. Then we go on down where, I love when Jesus does this, verse 42. Calling them to himself. It's almost like he goes, you know what, guys? Y'all shut your mouth and come here. Come here. Y'all are getting way out of hand. This is the part I wish like Jesus would do right now and just say, hey, hello, world. Come here for just a minute. I have an announcement to make. Then he goes on to say in verse 42, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave of all. Here's that verse again. For the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying, look, guys, it's not about you. It's not about you. You know, it's always funny how God will reveal things to you in the last minute because um, I'm gonna be real honest, this passage was a very, very humbling number one, but it was also one that I had to wrestle with for many, many, many hours 
to try to communicate it clearly. But then just yesterday, it's like the light bulb goes off. And I'm like, God, you could have done this like last Tuesday when I was studying. And I wouldn't have stressed near as much as I had this entire week. But what he very clearly showed me is this. Even in this room, there's two types of people. There's two types of people in this room. There's those that wash feet and there's those that show up expecting your feet to be washed. When we look at the example of Christ, I can promise you Christ never showed up expecting someone to say, hey, wash my feet. Jesus always showed up looking for someone's feet to wash, figuratively speaking. What would this church look like if we showed up every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, everything that we do, we step foot on this campus and say, okay, God, where's an opportunity for me to wash somebody's feet? Where's an opportunity today for me to empty myself? But the reality is, is what is becoming the demise of the church not just this church, but any church, any global church, is we've got a bunch of people with this mindset of entitlement that they show up every morning saying, okay, now it's your job to wash my feet. But how much different would it look if we as the church showed up thinking, God, just please allow me to wash somebody's feet today. I can promise you our world would look a lot different. What does it look like if you go to work tomorrow? Maybe you are that corporate executive that has your big, nice penthouse office. What would it look like if you go to your office tomorrow instead of looking for your employees to wash your feet? How much difference does it look if you show up to wash theirs? How much different does it look when our mindset shifts to that of Christ and instead of expecting people to wash our feet, we show up to find people's feet we can wash. Everything changes. You know, many of you may, you may not know, but tomorrow is a big day for my family. My wife will be having a pretty major back surgery. But in that, in these last few weeks of her hurting, her in pain, many of you in this room have washed our feet. And for me, that's hard because I'm wired to wash people's feet. That's just the way I think. It's just the way God has wired me. And so for me to sit back and accept you washing our feet, I could never say thank you enough. You've brought food, a lot of it. You've served our kids. And just the simple messages of it, you're praying for us. You'll never know what that means. And so you're not just talking about it, church, you're living it out. You're washing our feet and I wanna say thank you from the bottom of our heart for that. But when we show up to wash feet, things change. When we change our mindset of, of this entitlement that everybody owes us, 
everything changes. Because if our mindset is that we're owed something, what happens when we don't get what we want? We get frustrated. We get angry. We get discouraged. We get bitter. And so then when you hear a message like today, your first thought is, there's no way I could serve because I, they, you have no idea what that person's done to me. You have no idea how they treated me. And a lot of times, you know how they've treated you? You've walked past them in the hall and they didn't say, hey. Really? That's how petty we as human beings are. I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of thinking, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna serve them because here's what they've said about me. I'm not gonna serve them because here's what I know they think about me. What we need to do as the body of Christ, you ready for this? Get over ourselves. Because you know why? Your savior got over his. He didn't count equality with God something to hold on to. He said, I'm willing to leave all of those privileges aside and I'm willing to take on everything and all the ways that this earth is gonna treat me. But yet I'm gonna spend my last moments washing feet. But instead, we as humans, because we make it about us, we show up to church, we show up to work expecting people to wash our feet. And when they don't, we think, well, we don't have to do that to them. Because a lot of times our servitude, if you would, is so conditional. I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. And there's a lot of us in this room, myself included, that this is our attitude. Well, pastor, you have no idea how they've treated me. You have no idea what they've done to me. I wanna pause for just a minute. God, Jesus, the Son of God, stepped into a world, listen, willingly. The same way the CEO left her office, nobody made her do it. Jesus willingly stepped into a world filled with people who would oppose him, filled with people who would desert him, filled with people who would betray him, filled with people who would spit in his face, filled with people who would scourge him. And as if that is not bad enough, then they strip him completely naked hang him on a cross and watch him die. But yet we can't get over our feelings being hurt to serve somebody. I think it's time that we have an attitude like Christ. You know, think about your own life. 
because I've had to think about mine all week. Of the times in my life where I make it about me. In my family, in my job, in the lives of my kids. And I really struggled today because I'm, now I almost feel like I'm being disobedient because something God laid on my heart that I needed to do today was to wash my family's feet. So many times as a dad and a husband, I feel like they owe me. They don't owe me anything. But I owe my father everything because that's what he did for me. He knew there would be times that I wouldn't be walking close with him. He knew there would be times that I would be like Peter and deny him just by my lifestyle. But yet Jesus still willingly washed my feet. If you've been saved by the grace of God today, we need to have the attitude of Gary. You need to have the attitude of Gary. I don't know if you caught what he said in tears at the very end. This doesn't happen to people like me. He's saying, I don't deserve what you've done. He said, I'm not supposed to be here. How many of that, that would be your testimony this morning sitting here? I'm not supposed to be here. It was supposed to be somebody else. When we can realize that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, this is our story. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve eternal life. Because as we've said last week, the only thing that we hold response, the only thing that we brought to the cross was the very sin that put him there. That's it. But when we can become thinkers like this, when we can realize, this is why we hear in the word of God that we are to renew our mind daily. Remind yourself of who you are not and who Jesus is. And it produces in all of us a heart of thankfulness and a heart just like Gary's. And when, when our hearts are transformed like that of Gary's, this humility, it begins to produce the attitude of Christ that Paul tells us all to have. And that attitude is do nothing out of selfish ambition. Regard others more important than you. Look out for the interest of others. It's not about me. Can you say that today? It's not 
about me. The beginning of this humility that we're supposed to have is just as we've just said, the beginning of this humility is to remind yourself of who you are not and who he is. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.